Water's Edge podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout the Murray-Darling Basin and Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. Well, for this episode of Water's Edge, we're coming to you from Agquip at Gunnedah, where we've heard from hundreds of people over three days about issues in the basin affecting them. Welcome to Water's Edge. The Inspector General, Troy Grant, was here and he was able to speak to people directly about their concerns. Here's a bit of what you in the community had to say. We're talking about um, Murray-Darling Basin and water and the fact that being an ex-Western Division person, water is the most important part of life out, out there. Without water, you, you just cannot survive. And that goes not just for the rivers, but it goes for underground water too. So I'm reluctant to support people that are irrigating crops with underground water, but as far as the Murray-Darling goes, it should never have been left to the states to look after and administer it. It should have been looked after right from the word go by the Commonwealth as one person. So it's a balancing act. But there should be enough information between all the states and the Feds and the Murray and Darling Basin Commission to be able to work out what the flows are going to be within the river systems now. And the allocations need to be adjusted to those flows that are there, not what's held in the dams, adjusted to what's in the flow, that, that they know what is in the, what's entering the system, they've got gauging stations all the way along the rivers, they know what's coming, or they should know, and they need to li- take advice from people that have lived on the rivers for a long, long, long time. You're passionate, you're passionate about the, um, the system, you know a tonne about it from what you've just said there and you're frustrated that the states run um, it, uh, constitutionally because they won't re- refer all their powers for it to be run singly by the federal department or a single entity. We've been created, you said you've heard of us, but you didn't understand what we do. So we've been created as an independent body yep. to police all everyone responsible for that water management. Yep. Do you, what's your views on that? Do you think that's a good thing, like an independent umpire, an independent arbitrator? While we can't run the and manage the river ourselves, we're now an independent body that makes them all uh, accountable and we transparently put that information out to the public. Is that something you think is a good thing going forward? Or I, think it, I think it is a good thing, given um, as long as the regulator looks at it in a broad view. Look, what, what I'm interested to know is how, how are you going to make, or how are you going to get cooperation with all this water management? You know, you've got different states, you've got uh, New South Wales, you've got Victoria, you've got South Australia and Queensland. How do you make all those governments cooperate to manage water better? That's what I'd like to know. And I know the government's had inquiries and it goes on and on and on, yep. but nothing nothing concrete comes out. And I, I respect the issues and the difficulties that, you know, they would be having with this, but I'd just like to know, how can they make it work? You're the star of the show because we were established two years ago to exactly fix that. So we're the Inspector General Water Compliance for the Murray-Darling Basin. 
and we police the Australian Government, which is the Water Division, the MDBA, the Commonwealth Environment Water Holder, right. and then every state's jurisdiction. We, when we started up, we got a bloke called Des Pearce and did a, a, an audit, basically, and he looked at how they all managed it individually, yes. and then what was required to do exactly what you're talking about, how to get them together. Yes. So one of the recommendations you made was to create something called the Regulatory Leaders Forum that I chair, so I'm independent. And I bring them all together and we get them, whether it's because there's a whole different components, there's the metering component, there's the enforcement, how many inspections they do, what sort of penalties they hand out, decisions about water releases. That's state and federal, it's both. And that's part of the problem, it's so confusing, people get confused. So ironically what people don't understand is before I started that meeting, in 10 years the Basin Plan had been alive, they'd never met before. So that's why they haven't ever worked together. But since then, we've produced a couple of things that they put in together so that you can see whether they're doing their job properly. One of them is called a metering report card. So that by 2025, they've all got to reach a certain coverage of metres, a quality of meeting metres, and the information that comes from the metres in the reporting so part of it. So is that legislated, is it? It's part of the Murray-Darling Basin Plan. It's called the Compliance Pact. Yeah, that's a legislative document. So the compliance compact is because you've got to have. Out. Unfortunately, I think you've got to have a hammer to yep. hit them on the head with to make them comply. Otherwise, it's a toothless tiger. Uh, who was that fellow you had? Mick Keelty, didn't Mick he? Mick Kelty. What yep. did Kelty do? No, he no. Come, but he had no power to really do anything. Yeah, so I replaced Mick Kelty, and then they gave me the powers. You're, you're making the points 100% right. So Mick didn't have the powers. Yeah. So on the 5th of August two years ago, the powers came in. So we're two years old, so it takes time to recruit people, get people up. So we're just starting to hit our straps. So the meter report cards out to get the states working together. And by the end of the year, we'll have a compliance reporting framework so that you'll be able to read off our website and everyone will be able to read exactly what every state is doing and trying to do it more similar together and right across the basin. So it's not state by state. I wish you all the best. Also joining the Inspector General here were two of our field officers. Gundawindi-based officer Jess said the three days were really helpful and an important way for her to speak to some people she may have never met before. Jess, what are some of the issues that people have been talking to you about the last few days? We've had quite a few stakeholders drop in and talk to us about um, just trouble with getting compliant with their meters, so um, accessing a duly qualified person to install meters um, or repair meters, particularly in that sort of uh, Namoy, um, Gwaida, sort of um, New South Wales area of the Northern Basin. Um, some other issues are uh, we're having state agent, like lots of stakeholders coming in and talking to us about how they're finding it very challenging to access information from state agencies like New South Wales Water, particularly around licensing. Um, how do they get licensing? How do they apply for it? How do they check if they've um, you know, done the right thing with processing paperwork? Um, most people are using the online tool, but again, they're looking for uh, feedback around whether they've done that process correctly or not and are unable to do that. So we've had to refer quite a few across to or back to New South Wales Water and also to NRA around those sort of licensing and compliance issues. Um, and then what are you, what, where are you sort of seeing people coming from? Are they mostly from New South Wales? Yeah, lots of people from New South Wales, so um, obviously lots of people from Gunnedah, Narrabri, Moree. Um, we've had quite a few from sort of the Lachlan area down near Dubbo. 
uh, some from Corindai, Tamworth region. So yeah, very very heavily New South Wales based um, with the stakeholders we've been speaking to over the last two days. And now that we're nearly wrapped up with day three, what will you do with all this information um, and that you've gathered after talking to people? Yeah, so the information, the first process with, um, I guess, collating this information, we will have a meeting with our um, assistant director who compiles all of the intelligence into a report and we'll go through a detailed debrief of what the key themes were, what the key messages from stakeholders were. Um, From that report, that information will be delivered directly to the executive. Um, Usually that's, uh, there'll be a number of field reports that uh, sort of go along with that as well as probably follow-up engagements. The inspector general has been here for two days as well so he'll he'll probably have some value to add to that and that information eventually um, you know in 12 months time when we've compiled the field days that we've set out to do this year all of that information that will go towards uh, supporting decision making around next future work planning so people can be rest can rest assured knowing that the information they've shared with you will actually be put into something meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. Every bit of information that we get from stakeholders um, is uploaded onto a log in real time. So I might be speaking with a stakeholder, I'll take their details, I'll either make an arrangement to have an engagement with them, you know, maybe in a week or two's time or whenever that sort of availability for them works. And then that data is put into a Um, like a sort of kind of spreadsheet and I will send that directly to another team member um, via email immediately and she will upload that to the log so we don't have any lag with this um, with recording any of this data and often if people have asked um, quite a few people have come in and said oh we don't have a contact for this person or we're not really sure about how to um, get this across the line or what agency is this with again and we have maybe it doesn't fall exactly in our remit but we've got that information you just take their email you quickly punch out an email and you send that directly to them so everything's recorded and everything um, goes towards adding value to future work that we do. Well AgQIP is the second field day the IGWC has attended this year with some more on the calendar soon. Maggie is in charge of organising the IGWC's presence at field days. Maggie, can you tell us what goes into organising something like AgQuip? We uh, get together um, with the field officers and chat over the the biggest issues that um, are going to be relevant to the area and we get some collateral together, a little bit of uh, marketing giveaways for people. Um, So what field days have we been to now and, and have we got any more planned coming up? Yeah, so earlier this month we were in Mali at the Mali Machinery Field Days. That was our first one for the year. Um, It was a great local event that um, brought in a lot of irrigators and dryland farmers. So there was a lot of um, good engagements that came from that one. Uh, Obviously we're at Agquip at the moment in Gunnedah. And again, a lot of irrigators here. Um, A lot of people who are from town as well. So it's always interesting to get people's different perspectives on the water issues. Uh, next up we have Riverland in South Australia uh, and then shortly after that we've got Henty Machinery Field Days. And what about next year? Are you already looking at planning events for next year now? We sure are. Uh, I imagine we'll be back at a couple of these field days but we're also looking into some of the bigger um, shows in the in the bigger areas as well as um, some of the more local grassroots events and shows in some of the smaller communities as well. So people can expect to see more of the Inspector General of Water Compliance? They certainly can. 
It was the 50th anniversary of Agquip and after a couple of years of it being delayed, it was good to see it back and bigger than ever before. The Inspector General was at the official opening, congratulating everyone on their mammoth efforts. It's a wonderful pleasure and privilege for us to be here as a supporter of the 50th Agquip. Uh, on a personal note, so I've been coming to Agquip since I was seven years old back in 1977. And to be able to contribute to this wonderful celebration 50 years as a sponsor and supporter of this event as the Inspector General for Water Compliance for the Murray-Darling Basin uh, is a wonderful opportunity that we're very appreciative of. So I'd like to extend my congratulations to the organisers uh, from 50 years ago, and that's uh, Max Ellis on my left over here as well, uh, a wonderful legend uh, of this wonderful event in this region as well. This is such an important event for us to be able to engage with the community to tell us what we need to be doing to hold those government agencies to account to make sure that uh, water management across the basin is fair and equitable, is being managed on a level playing field and transparency and accountability about the spending of taxpayers' money, some $13 billion of it, is being done for the right reasons in the right way. And the scope of the amount of people where they come from across the basin is enormous. I've been really uh, pleasantly surprised to learn through our site how many people are coming from uh, the mid-north coast through the Hunter. Uh, as well into this area. So it's been always been a wonderful draw card. It gets wonderful people together to see the very best uh, on offer in the agricultural sector, but also to have those conversations to showcase what they do and make ourselves available for everyone that we engage with and rely on to do our job. So on behalf of us, congratulations to the ACRIP team. Well done. Uh, very proud to be a supporter and sponsor this year and have a wonderful ACRIP everyone. Thank you. Well, now we're preparing for Riverland and Henty Field Days later in the month. We look forward to seeing you there. Our field officers will be at the Riverland Field Days on the 15th and 16th of September. Visit us at Site 236 on the corner of Central Boulevard and 2nd Street and say good day. For those visiting the Henty Machinery Field Days over the 19th, 20th and 21st of September, Make sure you call in and see us at Site 708 Block P. It'll be great to have a chat and hear from you.